What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 30 of NFL Unwrapped. This is Perry Aston, joined by Christian McGowan. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how you doing? We're happy to be talking about the NFL, everything going on right now. Still off-season, but creeping up towards draft time. Still a lot to talk about around the NFL before we do. We want to remind you guys to listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. Also listen to us on podcast.com. Also follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Corbin on Twitter, who's not with us tonight, at Corbin Unwrapped. You also can follow our network Twitter page at Unwrapped Sports. We are tweeting out all of our articles from there, all of our contributors' podcasts, all of our podcasts, everything going out from there. We just put out our newsletter, got sent out. Christian had his mock draft on there. Yep, two rounds. Two rounds. Two of our new contributors were showcased on it, as well as another one, Lucas, sports tier on Twitter. He had a fantasy football outlook piece that was really good. So a really good newsletter to look for. Sign up on our website. It's a little orange box. Put your first, last name, and email. That's it. If not, we always tweet out the link as well. Check out our website at unwrapsports.com. A ton of great content on there. So let's jump right into a jam-packed episode starting with the opening game of the 2019 NFL season. It will be Packers at Bears, September 5th, Thursday night football. Can't wait. Football's back, at least scheduling-wise. We know when it's going to be back. I'm excited about that. I know Corbin is a big Packers fan. I'm sure he'd have mm-hmm. something to say about this game. He's a co-owner, co-GM. The actual, the Emperor, I think they it's, named him. Not It's past yeah. GM, and then it goes Emperor. You know what I mean? So He actually just calls the plays for Aaron Rodgers. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Matt LaFleur is calling in Corbin now at this point. <laughs> right now, we're talking football being back, and I want to talk really quick. Aaron Rodgers... And he has a lot to prove this year because, yes, he may or may not be the best quarterback in the league right now with Pat Mahomes and a lot of other talent in the league. Andrew Luck looking how he's looking. I don't know if he's the best quarterback right now. Even Corbin put out an article, it was a couple months ago, about him not being the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's a Packers fan. But I think this year, him being healthier, having a new coaching staff, a new system, it's really going to benefit him, in my opinion. I think he's going to go off this year, and I think the Bears are exciting. Coming from last year, you saw what they were able to do. I think this game is going to be really fun. I think he will have a much, much improved year, but the Packers need to get serious about loading him with some actual weapons. I mean, outside Devontae Adams, and David Bakhtiar, their left tackle who kind of was fighting injuries last year but those are the two guys on their offense that are actually worth a damn they missed on Antonio Brown they missed on Odell Beckham they missed on Khalil Mack last year who is a defensive player I get that but is so talented he affects when he you get the ball back impacts the game a ton for a defensive player I need the Packers to make some moves yes Aaron Rodgers individual play will improve but they need to get serious about that offense it's a joke it's how the Cowboys in my opinion went into last season where they were so unprepared on offense that they had to scrap it and eventually trade their first round pick for Amari Cooper which really was the shot in the ass for that team yeah definitely panned out even though at that point it seemed like a very heavy ticket for Amari Cooper you can Mm -hmm. see why they did that now you look at them right now having a sure thing instead of going and looking for a receiver like Nikhil Harry or DK Metcalf someone like that in the draft you already have your guy who's still in his prime 100% I think it's worth the first round pick going back to that and now I'm excited to See what the Packers do with the two first-round picks, as well as now you're talking about Amari Cooper, the Raiders as well, with three first-round picks to see 
how these franchises can really impact their roster immediately with the draft. You saw what the Packers were able to do. Finally, last year, after we talked about their struggles in past drafts, last year, at least attacking their secondary, trying to improve that, they really did score with two different corners that made an impact last mm-hmm. year. And I think now they can attack the draft in the same way, possibly with a tight end possibly receiver, mm-hmm. a lot Offense of different line. way they can go right now. So I think with them and with the Raiders, I'm just so excited to see how they fill out their roster right. and they have made some good signings. I think I this offseason seems like a big step forward mm-hmm. for Gruden and the Raiders. Just to go on the Raiders, bringing on Mayock was a huge boost. I've really liked the moves that they made so far. Well, sometimes all you need is a guy to come in and really change that culture, become right. aggressive. You saw what happened with the Browns last year in Dorsey taking over and just a fire sale Making Madden last offseason. Seriously, really emptied out the whole roster, built up with draft picks, really scored well in the draft. A lot of people were questioning their draft picks with Baker and Ward and thought they could have went another way, but they yeah. both panned out Denzel, yeah, time. Denzel Ward. I remember when they drafted him, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I need to eat crow for that because he was the most pleasant surprise in the he first round. He was amazing last year in Baker Mayfield is a huge reason why we're so excited about the Browns moving forward right. with their new coaching staff and, and not necessarily new, but shifted around coaching mm-hmm. staff. Of course, Greg Williams who should be the head off coach. to the Jets. But now you see with Freddie Kitchens there, this team looks exciting with Odell. Very player-friendly. It seems like the kind of culture that Dorsey wanted. And I know Greg Williams is the casualty, but forever Hugh Jackson was, he definitely wasn't the player's coach that Kitchens is. He got fired because he sucked, but I definitely think Greg Williams was just a casualty of not being the type of offensive, open, younger culture that they wanted. The NFL is different It's offense. It's an offensive-minded league. I hope that he comes around. I know I'm biased because his son coached me in college, but I really liked what he had done with the Browns. I think that the resume of the last half of last season speaks for itself, and I really hope, not that the Jets suck and he becomes the head coach, but take him for more than just being a good defensive coach, which he's earned that as well. With Adam Gase there, I'm hoping Williams takes over at some point. That guy is (laughs) crazy. Out of his mind. His eyes. His We're going to move on to the next topic. All offensive and defensive pass interference calls, as well as non-calls, will now be able to be challenged. Sean Payton from the Saints. You said casualty. That would Mm -hmm. probably be the biggest casualty of this last year in the playoffs when they did get that missed pass interference call. We could talk about missed calls all day, but this is why this got passed, not just because of the Saints situation, because of a ton of different situations around the NFL where this could have been impacted differently. It could have really changed the game, but you saw that huge missed call and that has to be Mm. addressed. I'm glad to see it be addressed because I think Goodell dodged it all offseason, and now you can see that the NFL is actually... Taking a step forward, the only thing that scares us and that we talked about in a previous podcast is the length of the game. I really hope that coaches just aren't going out on a limb, putting out a flag just to see if they're Hail Mary, someone grabbed an arm somewhere, right. or there was something. and Or ha- even encouraging your own receiver to absorb contact, because the thing about this, if it's the, the game is ending... If it's a penalty on the defense, you get one untimed down. And you know how pass interference is in the NFL. You could get a significantly closer shot, if not a field goal. Are we going to start seeing flopping? Like the NBA? That would be the polar end of what this could be. That's, that's a dead serious question. That's not. not even a joke. Like, I generally... Belichick you, will coach them You saying that. absorbing contact. I can see you're 70 yards away. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have a shot. At a field goal, you are a little out of range for a Hail Mary. You might be able to make it down there. 
and you throw it as far as you can, and you just see a receiver just right. eat the oh. dust. Yeah, just just throwing themselves. Right, and you have to take a look at it. And one referee just says, just, "Yeah, there was a hip check right. or some because there's enough. There, there's enough there because there is incidental contact that happens, but." You force someone to sit back and analyze them, go back on it, yeah. I really hope that they stand firm with, it needs to be indisputable evidence that for it, it was. to be overturned. Like, it, I really hope that they say, like, this is what it was called, and it's going to take a hell of a lot mm-hmm. for us to change that call, and they're just taking a look at it right. for courtesy, and it's more of this is going to apply to when it's something that big, like right. that call. Like the, the Saints, Saints and, the and the Rams. That was so clear, there is no you way. You have to take a look at that, and there's got to be one or two people in that referee group that right. was like, are you serious? We all mm-hmm. went to school for this. Like, that's that's a P.I., you know what I mean? Right. And that could have changed the course of the game. I know Corbin, every time I bring it up, he's like, well, there was another missed call. They could have put the Rams in here. Right. It's It sounds so stupid Take when you're so about it at this point. Now you have to look at why they passed this rule. Yeah, it may impact the game lengthwise, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be worth it when it comes to a game-changing play like we saw last season. In our lives, we've never seen a play be that debatable, that blatant, and yeah, all and, so and that meaningful at that point of a game, at that meaningful of a game as well. So I think that was cause for a change. No, I agree. And to go on a little bit of a tangent... Do you think that the NFL next year should or look into adopting how the AAF did it where when they do challenges, you can see up into the booth what they're deciding? Because in the AAF, when they have the challenges, they can go in the booth and see the person. Okay, you know, this is, you know, pass interference. This is like a fumble. I think that's something that was really cool that the AAF did, and I know they're obviously closed down, but... I mean, that's going to foreshadow for a topic we're going to talk about later, but I wouldn't be against that, I think, to really get a lot of this right. It's... Gonna transparency. Take, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some extra time. But I'm all for it if it comes to this being as impactful as I think it's going to be on the game. I really think we're going to catch a lot of things that were missed. Taking a walk really quick. Just, it's right. going to take a second. You know, be right back. I'm going to grab a beer. But at the end of the day, I gotta think get it when right. it comes down, we got to get it right. We're going to move on to our next topic. Rob Gronkowski, one of the best to ever do it. And we'll have a debate about that. He just retired and... I want to ask a question for you. Is he going to stay retired or is this a temporary thing? He's going to pull Jason Witten, come back one year after being in the Monday Night Football booth. So I almost want to guarantee it. I don't know if it's going to be one whole season, but he's still very young. And with how next year is going to go, I imagine that, let's say, week six or week seven, you know, he's kind of been working out, staying in somewhat good shape. He's going to get bored. I foresee Gronk a lot of partying, a lot of... PR and growing his brand, which is, you know, that kind of party boy, you know, that, that fun timey. Right. You saw him with, what was it, UFC or was it uh, WWE? WWE. Yeah. yeah, and now they're making a big push. And I think with the XFL around the corner, which is even more interesting, foreshadowing the AAF later on, I think with the XFL, I know that there was the WWE connection there, you don't think that Gronkowski becomes kind of a spokesperson or you don't think he becomes the face of the xfl and their main promoter or something like that i just feel like it's a perfect fit for him to be in the wwe family while obviously pursuing acting and whatever else 
Gronk wants to do. I'm sure he. He's got, I'm sure he's gonna have a dating show. First off, he's gonna yeah, pull a Kelsey, and he's gonna have a dating show because you have way too much time on your hands. I'm pretty sure Gronk's not married. Not with no. how Gronk. I mean, he has asking. a girlfriend. Not not with how he's acting. He's not married right. for sure. Honestly, he's gonna come back into the NFL whether it's this year or next year. I just see him giving it one more run, winning one more Super Bowl. Thing is gonna happen. He's gonna get a taste of not doing anything, being retired, and he's still so young in his actual life. When you think about how long you work in an actual career, you know, not saying he doesn't have any discernible skills, but being the brand and being an actor, I just don't think will fulfill him the way that playing next to Tom Brady is and being the elite at your job. So I really think that the game is going to call him back because just to go back to his stats real quick, he's only 29 years old. He has 521 receptions, 7,861 yards, and 79 touchdowns, which is a very good for a per season rate, but isn't up there when you think about like Antonio Gates or Tony Gonzalez. But he played 10 seasons. So a respectable amount. The question I'm going to ask you, and first of all, I'm going to give my take. I think he's honestly going to stay retired. I want to say he's going to come back because he is young enough. He is so athletic. He's one of the most athletically gifted people we've seen in the NFL, probably to date. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so tempting. If you see a guy like Jason Witten, who is clearly so at the gone. end of his career, I thought for sure he was gone, gone. To see him come back, I even questioned it as a Cowboys fan, being like, why is he coming back? Mm-hmm. And then you think coach on the field and mentor, and if it's how can right. that How hurt? bad he was at how can that? How, can that, how, how badly he muffed that. You right. need to come back and redeem yourself somehow. Retire some Yeah, other way. at least score a few touchdowns. Mm-hmm. At the same time, to see him come back at that point of his career... Why wouldn't Rob Gronkowski do it? I think my gut tells me that he's going to do really well with whatever else that he does. And I think he's going to have so many different ventures that he's going to do that he's going to fill his time up. I think he's going to really do well. And the more that he goes, I think he's going to always be on TV. Always. Mm -hmm. And I think that means with reality TV. I think that means with actually, if he wants to take it seriously, being an actor. And I also think that means he's going to be in the booth a lot. I think he's like a Pat McAfee. Imagine putting... Pat McAfee, who works for Barstool and former punter for the Colts, hilarious guy. Imagine putting him and Rob Gronkowski in a booth with like Tony Romo. That is prime time right there. I would love watching a game by them. Get get rid of all these other goons. Just to add something, Gronkowski's agent did say the Monday after he retired on first take, he would not be surprised that if Tom Brady calls him, he would come back in a heartbeat to play. Yeah, and we took a few polls about this, and we asked if, does Gronk stay retired, or does he come back at some point? 55% of you said stayed retired, 45% said comeback season. You guys all, I guess, lean with me, but I said it right there i'm on the border and i think you guys are too it's almost 50 50 it really depends because he is such a dominant figure and i think now let's lead us to our next question is he the best tight end of all time or where does he rank is he the most athletically skilled tight end of all time i think there's a few ways that we can word this so I think at his prime, his his prime Madden rating, individual year, I would take Gronkowski at his prime over any other tight end. However, he doesn't have the most storied career from a career statistic standpoint. Yes, he has the Super Bowls, but Gonzalez, like, it was a longer displayed even time Antonio of excellence. Even Antonio Gates, even Jason Witten, who we just talked about, mm-hmm. you have to put those guys above him. I think Shannon Sharp would be above him overall. I mean, I've heard people give me the Mike Ditka debate. You have to agree. I think he's top five, if not top like six, but he's definitely top 10. So top right. five tight ends all the time, I'd say. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, no doubt. And that goes to his playoff pedigree the championships that he's won you can tell 
just off that alone and how much they value championships, and we all do, that alone is going to get him into the Hall of Fame. What he was able to do for the culture of the NFL, I think he was so impactful. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's going to go down in history books. He was so funny. 69, all the time references. This guy is a straight mm-hmm. grown child. Well, to go back to 69, he did have 79 touchdowns, and he played in 115 games. Now, if you do math, that comes out to 69%. This is He scored a touchdown. Touchdown in 69% of his games. Stop. We asked one more poll on this situation. Is Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time? This was even closer. 51% of you Damn. guys said no. 49% of you said yes. That's a flip of the coin. Right there. And we both said no. You got to give him top five. The guy's an absolute monster. If he played five more years, I think he would have been the best if he was able to stay healthy for at least a few of those years because that I was agree. what plagued him. To take down Gronk, you had to really take him down by hitting him at the legs. You yeah. had to chop him. How do you not have constant knee injury? Injuries and everything like that when you're a player that right. dominant, that big, running that much. And he was such a dominant blocker, too. I don't think people realize oh, 100%. Very balanced overall end. player he was. What a balanced tight end, like you just said. Props to Gronk for right. an amazing career. Salute. I cannot wait to see what this fool is about to do in the entertainment world. And I hope that he does some really cool stuff with the WWE. I think he really is. Another retirement, Jordy Nelson, who played for the Packers for most of his career and ended it with one final year in Oakland. Very disappointing. Disappointing year, but what are you supposed to do? You know, you don't have a role on that team anymore. It just comes to that point in your career where it's best for both sides. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to call it quits there if you know that you can earn a check for another year and if you're in enough physical shape to continue playing football. This is your career and you got to make your money. And I'm not saying a lot of NFL players go broke because I'm sure there's a percentage. No, they do. I'm sure there's a a percentage that do. But a guy like Jordy Nelson, who had a a nice career, I'm sure he made a decent amount of money, a really good amount of money. Why would you not go play for another one-year deal with the Raiders? I think he's really good. He was a great partner with Aaron Rodgers. They had a great connection. But I think if you would have put him with another team, I don't know if he would have done as well. He's not like a transcendent guy. Yeah. That I was like, oh, no matter... He had to stay glued to Aaron Rodgers. No matter where he would have went, he would have been amazing. That's not what you say about Jordy Nelson. It's... Him and Aaron Rodgers were just that perfect formula that just worked until he got injured and all that stuff. We asked another poll here on Twitter because in 151 career games, Jordy Nelson had 613 receptions for 8,587 yards and 72 touchdowns. Pretty similar to Gronk, to be honest. You said it was, what, 70-something touchdowns for Gronk? This is uh, 79. And this is 72, and you said it was about 8,000 yards for Gronk. It was right? a little under. Yeah, so this is 885. So I think... Statistic-wise, they're actually pretty similar, funny enough. And we asked if he would get in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and it but was an overwhelming no. So I think this is different because of the position. And 35 less games. Yes, it was because of the position and situational. I think, obviously, the championships mm-hmm. are going to have to speak for themselves. And you have to remember the postseason stats that Gronk has. Right. You guys said 80% no, 20% yes. A few of you said he would make it into the Hall of Fame, but I said no. I don't think he I does. think you said no. I'm even sure Corbin said no. It just isn't enough. And I think if he wouldn't have gotten injured, maybe would have finished two more years at a high level with the Packers. And I think if they would have made one more deep playoff run, 
this would have been more of a conversation. Right. But at this point, I don't think it's enough. But he had an amazing career, yeah. I have to say that. With and the that, Packers, they were so exciting to watch right. when it was the two of them healthy, really breaking he out. He should make their Hall of Fame. I really, really like that, seriously. And I think that would be a real good testament to him. But it's just to make it into the NFL yeah. Hall of Fame, it's just not enough. But to speak of people coming back from retirement, I could definitely see him. The Packers really needed him. Or Aaron Rodgers made it vocal, which he does for a lot of things, that he wants Jordy Nelson back. I could honestly see him come back and play for Aaron next year. That would be interesting. I don't know if it's the right fit. Like I said, I think they attack the wide receiver market in the draft. I, I really do. think they need to go younger. And I think Devontae Adams is an absolute beast. Yeah, he's a star. They have a lot of guys there that they can fill in behind him now with Randall Cobb going to the Cowboys. We'll just go to that Talk one about really that, quick. And of course, he had a really good career with the yeah. Packers. Too. If, you look at his tail off. if you look at his statistics, though, he had a really solid career. And he was tailing off, and I think that attributes back to injuries with him, but also more injuries with Aaron Rodgers Mm. towards the end, not having a consistent quarterback in Green Bay. His deal is a one-year deal with the Cowboys for pretty cheap. And I think this is a great signing because, like we just talked about earlier, the Cowboys acquiring Amari Cooper for a first-round pick last year. They found their number one guy, Mm -hmm. a serious Number one threat, and we can all agree on that. And you saw how he played it was the Cowboys. Worth it. It was the worth best it. receiver in the league, statistic-wise, by far, for the time that he got to Dallas to the end of the season. It was extremely impressive. So to see him there, it's exciting. But to have Michael Gallup behind him, he was just a rookie. So mm-hmm. he has a lot to learn. They still have and, Alan Hearns. Yeah, they have Alan Hearns and Tavon Austin. So... They were more scat receivers. Mm-hmm. It was more like a bunch of number threes that were trying to fill right. into who was going to be the number two. And I think Gallup showed the most promise. I agree. But having Cobb now, that's a solid starter. You bring right. into a core that needs stability bad. Yes, Amari Cooper was phenomenal for them. But top to bottom, there's still a lot of instability in that receiving core. And having a guy like Amari is going to take a lot of pressure off right. the receivers behind him. So you got a guy like Randall Cobb, who at a point was a number one threat or maybe a high-end number two. But he got a lot of attention. So now you're going to have Amari who's going to be getting double teams, sometimes even triple teams, Mm -hmm. if it gets down to it. And you're going to have Cobb who's going to have more opportunities with Dak Mm -hmm. performing very well. And Jason Wynn's And now Jason Wynn's going to be there. And if not performing at the highest level, at least he's going to be able to be a decoy. And he's going to be able to go out there for really short checkdowns, like four or five yard list curl routes and stuff all day. You know, you don't have to be too athletic to run forward, do a quick jab, step and turn around. You know what I mean? I think he's... He's perfected that in his career, and that's why he's coming yeah. back. But it's also Ezekiel Elliott, who had 90-plus targets last year, has really shown that he's able to be effective in the passing game, which we saw in Ohio State, and hasn't really been too much of a need, I guess, for the beginning of his career with the Cowboys, with Dez there, and then now with the transition last year with the receivers, it was great to see that him stepping up in that way. So the Cowboys offense with Randall Cobb, Wittenback, Zeke, a lot of these Much players, improved. it's definitely looking good going into next season. And to speak on their defense, that trade for Robert Quinn, that was like, That's they, they gave up time nothing. To talk about that, well, I think it was a six-round pick. Yeah, it's nothing. He signed a one-year deal with the Cowboys. Amazing pickup. That's a guy that, in his prime, was one of the best. Right. He still has it. I would still say at the end of his prime, he's still there. And he's kind of played out of position for so long. He is a pass rusher, and towards the end, and I want to say with the Rams and Rosanna Miami, they were playing him 
as like an actual stand back linebacker, right. like a middle linebacker. No, you need to put Quint on the edge. You need him to rush the passer. That's what he's good at. And I think the Cowboys now with losing Randy Gregory and David Irving, and David Irving, well. they need pass rushing help and they can deploy him just on third down, second and long, or even on run plays to just contain that edge because that is what he's good at. And I think they recognize that they're getting a steal. They're buying an asset that had been so depreciated because they had forced him to do what he's not good at and they can just let him just go just be a dog go right and this is a one-year deal just like Cobb very low risk why not you got you can just cut him if you want you're filling holes this is fantastic I think the Cowboys are a serious contender going to next year I think you can agree with that we have the Saints signing tight end Jared Cook and this is really meaningful to be honest because he was the only weapon for Oakland last year kind of getting up there he was their leading receiver he was led in receptions This was a guy that made play after play for them. He was consistent when they lost Amari. They had no one there, and even Derek Carr battling some injury. He was the only consistent piece, and he's still... I would say he's at the end of his prime, but he's still got it too. So you have him joining the Saints. Breeze has probably, what do you think, one or two years left? I say three total. He has two elite years, and then that third year is going to be I was going to say probably two, but yeah, maybe three. But you saw his arm strength going down. Yeah, he doesn't have the stamina to keep up a whole season. This is a perfect player for his kind of offense right now. He's going to be able to go run short routes, extend the field a bit. He's able to block. This is a really Mm -hmm. shifty tight end that helped Aaron Rodgers, helped Carr. No matter where he's been, he's been really effective, and I think this is a perfect signing. For the Saints, I think for a fantasy standpoint, he's a really interesting add because the fantasy position for tight ends last year, fucking god-awful. So hit or miss. It was like a battleship. shot in the dark every mm-hmm. week. If you didn't have like Kelsey or Kittle right. pretty much up at the top, you were just going for it every week trying to I remember when I, when I traded for George Kittle, I had given up some pretty good wide receivers, and everyone was like very hesitant, but I was like, no, this is the one position that I had Jason Witten one week I had Jack Doyle the other week like I had I, Nick Vanit right. one week there was times that I would be going for CJ Uzma right this is a shot in the dark week in and week out I had David Njoku for the majority year who I think is gonna have a solid season I agree he with just the needs Browns. to stop that drop problem he needs to be surefire yeah I love his athleticism but moving on from tight end we have the Colts signing elite pass rusher Justin that's Houston big. that's huge the Colts fans were so pissed because the Colts had so much money and they weren't spending it. Mm-hmm. They were in the Le'Veon contest, kind of. They were confident with Marlon Mack. Oh, he's a baller. Yeah. They can get him out of deal. That'd be a cool two-headed attack. But Le'Veon wanted to break the bank, and the Colts wanted a value deal. And they're just and Justin Houston's in a bad situation with the Chiefs, where they were clearly trying to get rid of him via trade. And now they're able to, to go pick up Justin Houston. Easy money right there for them. That He's going to really add to defense that right. was playing really well with Darius Leonard, who's right. potentially the best linebacker in the league already. Right. And like, Malik Hooker, too. Yeah, this is a defense that's surprisingly scary and an offense that was surprisingly scary last year. Offensive right. line, that's elite. They have a really good coaching staff. This is a team that if Andrew Luck can stay healthy, and of course we're going to heavily knock on wood right now. Oh, that offensive line, he's probably going to be safe. Yeah, Justin Houston is a big ad for them. I love that. And we're going to talk about another elite pass rusher, Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. signing with the Rams, former Packers beast. This is a guy played for USC, yeah. took it, steroids at some point, oh, got huge, massive, because he was a pussy when he was at He was Agora. a safety. Yeah, he was small. And, and a walk-on at SE. Blew up. Blew up like a fucking blimp. So this is a guy now, 
he's had a great career with the Packers. Mm -hmm. Him joining the Rams, great move for him. Two-year deal, makes solid money for that deal, and now you're joining an elite contender immediately, and you have a role right there in that defense. Now, is this defense the best defense in the NFL? Going into next season, yes. And I'm going to touch on Clay Matthews real quick. He had two down years last year. He had three and a half sacks the year before that he had five and a half. And a part of that's injury, part of that's him playing middle linebacker. He's going to come into the Rams, and he's going to, we talked about Quinn earlier, he's going to get to do what he needs to do, and that's rush the ball carrier. And when you have the best defense in the NFL, you can have guys like Clay Matthews that needed to play middle linebacker for the Packers because they were stretched so thin. But the Rams are so deep. You can literally get a star like Clay Matthews, or an aging star. I would say another player that's at the end of his prime. A solid starter. Yes, I think the Rams have the best defense going into next year. If they do not perform how they should perform, then they're the Eagles, that Wonder Team Eagles, because I know Ndonokan Sue is still a free agent. He hasn't signed with anyone, but I really am starting to believe that he's going to come back to the Rams after no one's offered him any sort of money. That defense, even For without him. For a second, him, I thought he was going to float to the Cowboys before they made a move for Robert Quinn because they needed some desperate help after the losses that they suffered. And I really thought that he was going to find a way to come in on a one-year deal with them. And then when they started talking about Robert Quinn coming, even though it's a different position for the two of them, it seemed like that was where their attention was going for the defensive line and they were going to go attack other spots in the draft or look elsewhere. But I really didn't see them making two moves for Nick Dominican Sue. And going after yeah. him in a trade, too. I think that would have been too much for that. But it would have been fun to see. But I agree. I'm surprised Sue hasn't really gotten much attention and mm-hmm. isn't signed yet. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him return to the Rams if it's possible with their caps. It would have to be a value deal. But the Rams had a surprising amount of cap. I know they were in like the latter half of the... 32 teams in terms of cap space going into this year so there's definitely room to bring him in won't be for Fowler type money or the money that he got last year in a one-year deal but no one's signing him just come back and chase Super Bowls for another year there's no way he's not gonna get a one-on-one matchup with Matthews Fowler Aaron Donald on that defensive line suck up your pride you've already made a lot of money go win that Super Bowl that you've never had before and I think that's what's gonna happen they have a chance to win a Super Bowl with the team they put together now and Mm -hmm. if you have Cooper Cup coming back healthy if Gurley He's coming back healthy. Mm-hmm. The Pats Probably, now don't have Gronk. They don't have CJ Anderson anymore. He did sign a deal with the Lions. We'll knock that one off. Mm-hmm. He went over there, and I think that's a solid complimentary back to carry on Johnson. They'll probably draft a running back first Right, but he's rounds. a guy that will be able to take some of those early down carries and relieve some of the workload off carry on Johnson because of his injury history, and he is such an interesting back for them. They can use in so many different ways. They now have a guy that can come in between the tackles, first, second down, sometimes third, you know what I mean? And they right. can use carry on more in the passing game. So I like that one. We're going to move on to Jordan Howard getting traded to the Eagles for wow. a bag of potato chips. Seriously. Six-round pick, and it potentially could turn into a fifth. But regardless, a six-round pick for Jordan Howard, yes, he isn't spectacular. He had one down year. His first two years, he had over 1,000 yards, both of those years rushing. Yes, he doesn't fit into the pass-catching running back, but a potential fifth-round pick for a bell cow running back? That's absurd. The Bears, I understand that with how their offense is changing, Jordan Howard probably would have fell to the third-string running back next year in their depth chart. But how do you not get more for this? I know we talked about in the group chat, at least a fourth-round pick. It would have had to be at least a fourth round for it to make sense. What people justify about the situation is that they weren't getting the attention that they wanted for Jordan Howard. They didn't have a role for him, like you just said. And at that point, you're going to have to just ride him out, have a guy that clearly deserves a role, and it's just this complicated kind of situation back there. 
you kind of got rid of it, wiped your hands clean because you can tell Matt Nagy just was getting frustrated trying to find a role, and you got whatever you can get. So I guess instead of getting nothing or just having an issue back there for the year, I guess you can consider this a scratch, not a win, like a scratch because you got something and you kind of just wiped your hands clean in the right, situation. Right, you still his rookie contract. But you didn't win this at all. The Eagles definitely win this. At this right. point, are smart as hell because now they get a, a pick back if he leaves in the offseason like they did with Golden Tate. With comp picks at this point, if you trade for a player and they sign with another team, if it's a certain situation, if you play it right, you can gain picks from players leaving. Right. Or you could go the opposite end of the spectrum like Tampa Bay with a couple of the players they signed. They actually lost a couple picks. So I guess some teams just know how to play this. Some teams just don't. It gets. I wish Corbin was here to right. break that all down, but I think I did a pretty good job holding it down for I that like one. It. I like it. I felt. I think he's going to be really interesting on the Eagles because they do have a committee there. They right. have Adams, Smallwood. They have Clement. They try to bring in Jhi, but he was so injury prone. I think Jordan Howard will be everything Jhi should have been for the Eagles. I like that. And Jhi, he hasn't signed yet either. I don't think he was I'm visiting the Colts, sure. but I don't think anything became official. So Jhi is still out there. I think at this point, Jordan Howard's going to find his way to the top of the depth chart. He's going to find a way to get probably 10 to 15 carries consistently, probably 15. You'll see Smallwood, some of these guys trickling in, a lot of them getting, getting interested in the passing down. game. Now they have a, no problem with the running game. They're deep. Right. They could find a guy who's going to step up for them. Le'Veon Bell says Ben Roethlisberger is at the stage where he tries to control everything, quote-unquote. Ben wants to win, but Ben wants to win his way. wanted to bring up that quote, and I think we've had enough Steelers drama throughout this offseason and throughout last season with Le'Veon Bell. And clearly there's an issue with Ben and the chemistry Mm -hmm. with some of the other stars there, or some of the former stars there now. And a big reason why they probably... Found their way out of Pittsburgh. Talked about how long Ben Roethlisberger is going to be relevant, how long he's going to have a career. But they clearly are riding him for at least another year or two. Mm -hmm. And we'll move forward from there. And we have to see who they can fill for AB's void. Now they have Juju who's going to step up in a big way. But Dante Moncrief, he's not going to fill no. Antonio Brown. Not, not even a tenth. But I just want to talk about what you thought about Le'Veon's words here. Is Ben like a cancer, I guess you could say? Yeah, I think at this point he is a cancer. He is an elite quarterback. He was so good for so long. And I think that there was times where he was a good leader for that football team. But I know it's an old quote, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. I just think he's gone astray. He isn't what he used to be. It's kind of grown to this thing now where I agree with his comments. He just kind of wants control so bad that it's polluted the ultimate goal of what they're trying to achieve and his actions are now counterproductive because Le'Veon Bell I don't consider that 100% Ben Roethlisberger definitely boiled down to the money but Antonio Brown was 100% his interaction with Ben Roethlisberger and how that soured so whatever he's doing it's it's counterproductive to them winning because people are not wanting to play with him and as much as I love Kobe Bryant one of the biggest knocks is that to win in the NBA at, at this stage you need to have more than one star and if people don't want to come play with you because you're such an asshole and you just conduct yourself in a certain way they won't play with you that that kind of tanks your your overall value so i've said this on past podcasts i think something's going on in pittsburgh something bad they need to fix the culture hopefully it's not firing mike tomlin because i think he's a good coach but if that's going to fix the problem then i think they do need to fire him because losing two transcendent superstars and they handled this very wrong. very poorly when has it ever happened and people aren't getting pink slipped like it's ridiculous somewhere at some point 
to put the blame on somebody. I think Not even put the blame, just fix it because you've lost two stars. What's going to happen next? Juju's going to come up to contract extension and he's going to want to leave? Think about it as an actual job. You need to retain the talent you have on your team and the NFL is equipped way better than any other company, any other structure in America where you can tag your best asset and they can't leave you. But if your assets are literally dying their mustache hair and going crazy so that way you don't play for them anymore you have a problem there's some there's a there's something there's going a control on. issue i agree with you we're gonna move on to our last topic something funny to talk about the alliance of american football the rest AAF, in peace. aaf rest in peace 2019 to 2019 very short life. And maybe no more, but that doesn't mean that Steve Spurrier doesn't have something to say about that former coach, a guy that is a pretty funny name to see because they actually declared a champion of the AAF because of so many bets. FanDuel was leading. I think there might have been another like official statement, but they declared the Orlando Apollos champions of the AAF with their 7-1 record when they suspended all operations and folded the league. They still passed out a championship when they fold the league, which is pretty funny. And Steve Spurrier's Orlando Apollos are your AAF one-time champions. A little check mark to his resume. I think that's funny to add. Found out that the players, when they dissolved the league, actually had to pay for their own flights home. Right. So it's like a fire festival situation. Would this be the fire festival of leagues? That's so funny. I think it's the fire festival of leagues. This is such a shit show. I know a couple weeks ago they sold off a, a ownership stake of their company to the Carolina Hurricanes owner for two hundred fifty million with seventy million up front. He's gonna lose all seventy million, if not more, of that investment for what a month and a half of owning part of the AAF. And I understand. If you could have something that's comparable to the NFL, if not you have the NFL's minor league, yeah, that's worth $250 million. But that blowing uh, well, at least $70, $100 million in a couple weeks is an expert, expert level of money blowing. You like, go that home is, to your wife, babe, I blew a little bit of right. money. You, you, you couldn't even get that amount of money in actual cash and throw it into a fire fast enough that he lost that amount of money over the course of these weeks. <laughs> that it, like that is it's a bad investment now in hindsight but this is such a shit show it i feel bad for the former players that i played with that are in the aaf that have to go through this because i understand that outside of the san antonio i don't know what team that they were but they're the only aaf team that had about 20 to thirty thousand members at every single one of their games the aaf was a complete shit show but i think the one silver lining is I really think that San Antonio could hold a professional sports football team. I mean, they've shown that they can rally around a sports team, especially the Spurs. Spurs. They've had a really loyal fan base there. They've won a lot of championships. I think they've laid the bricks down for their sports culture. I think they can definitely handle another sports team there. I definitely agree. The XFL, I saw today that they acquired some assets. I don't know what assets there are to acquire from the AAF. I saw the article scrolling through that they were in talks to acquire whatever assets were left of the AAF. And then that got me thinking, now they have the spotlight to try and do what the AAF did, but better better, and try and correct what they did wrong. Plus they have the WWE's backing, Mm -hmm. so it's no longer as tied to the NFL, but I think more entertainment-based. But at the same time, it's going to be a competitive football league. And I think they might be able to 
filter in a few of the players mm-hmm. that were talented enough to play in this league, may not find a home in the NFL and find their way to the XFL instead of the Canadian Football League. I think the biggest thing this is going to hinge on, and this is actually what I think is what led the AF being dissolved, is because they couldn't get a deal done with the NFLPA. The week before the AAF dissolved, the NFLPA said they would not allow them to use the practice squad players and essentially would nix them becoming the minor league for the NFL. The NFL right. seems very committed to keeping the minor league system as the practice squad and keeping it in-house. They do not want to expand it how the NBA or the MLB has it. If the XFL, though, can get the NFL to the discussion table, can get them to integrate them as a minor league, there is a market for a springtime professional football league. And it's interesting because you just said spring. You remember that Texas Spring League? I'm mm-hmm. not even sure if that's still a thing, but I believe it is. They have the Texas Spring League, and now you saw the AAF, and now we're talking about the XFL. I feel like there's so many different attempts here to get something going besides the NFL, and I think it's perfect timing. Because of the anthem debate and all of this bullshit going around the NFL, right now is a perfect time to steal some of their thunder and at least try and spark something. R.I.P. to that one weekend where the AAF was super relevant. We all cared about it. Right. Everyone was tweeting about it. We were all paying attention. And then I thought they actually made a really good move when they were bringing Manziel in. I thought that was going to be big for ratings, even though right. he screws up every chance he gets. There was but, a lot of interceptions. But now, what's Manziel going to do now? I think... That really sucks for him. Yeah, I think XFL. A lot. I think that's the next move for a lot of these guys. Yeah, beyond the assets they're going to acquire, it's going to be the best players in the AAF are going to go to the XFL because what the hell else are they going to do to pay their bills? And none of that money that they signed in their player contract is guaranteed through the AAF. Johnny Menzel uh, tweeted, he was like, players be smart. The last paycheck you got is the last paycheck you're going to get. And there's no lawsuit that is going to bring that money back. The AAF was good about one thing, and it was structuring those contracts where the players, what they got was on a week-to-week basis basis and if that ended they're owed nothing and that's looking out for yourself i'm just still blown away by the guy losing 70 million dollars when he had to come save the aaf like a month Mm. or two ago or whatever it was just to make payroll just to make payroll and he comes and throws a dumb amount of money how do you not survive after getting a 70 million Mm. dollar investment and you have a cbs contract i think it's mind-blowing because i would see it on my youtube tv i would tune in sometimes how do you not build fan bases in san antonio in san diego in these places that don't host nfl teams especially san diego Mm. when they just lost the chargers i thought that would have been perfect Mm. and they picked solid places i'm surprised to fold it and people within the organization are surprised because it wasn't that it was doing so bad it just came so quickly after the heels of the NFLPA decision to not allow them to integrate the practice squad players, it it seemed almost reactionary in that he just gave up. And I understand it because I think the survival of this secondary league has to come from the players who aren't on the 53-man rosters of the NFL because that is the next tier of talent. And let's be honest, there's some of those AAF players that it just wasn't fun to watch. Like There were some games that were fun. But there's a whole nother level of players that they can use to make it more entertaining that are just running practice plays. Yeah, and then you give the guy the option, do you want to be the star of this team or do you want to go catch passes in practice for the Packers or the Cowboys or the Raiders or whatever? Depending on the guy, you may Mm -hmm. take a decent contract and go be the star of the Apollos or whatever that may be. But now I think the XFL, it's their playing field now. I think with the WWE backing, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be interesting. I really do think it's going to be interesting. 
I'm excited to pay attention to that. I agree. I think it's funny because I thought that the XFL was honestly a one step behind the AAF because the AAF had already started and gained that audience. But now the XFL seems like they waited and let someone else mess up for them. And now they get to inherit a fan base that was teased. And they could now see that someone did a little bit of market testing right? to see where teams may Wasted be their successful. Money. Exactly. I think that is really interesting. That's all we have for you today, episode 30 of NFL Unwrapped. Signing off before we do, wanted to remind you guys that you can listen to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app, podcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. Follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Corbin on Twitter, the other co-host that's not here tonight, at Corbin Unwrapped. Follow our network page on Twitter at Unwrapped Sports. We have a newsletter out, so make sure you're subscribing to that on our website at unwrappedsports.com, where you can find all of our articles there on our blog site. You also fill out that little orange square right on there on the homepage, first name, last name, email. It takes two seconds. We pretty much summarize our best articles from every week, and we send them straight to your email. We also post them on our Twitter, send them out to people that we know with the URL. It's awesome. It recaps everything that happened. Like we said, Christian has a two-round mock draft couple new contributors showcased on there, some fantasy football teasers, really good stuff to get you excited about what's going on now, what's going on in the future, baseball's back, we have a few articles on that, so excited about all the sports that we're covering, not just the podcast that we have, but pretty much covering all major sports, even right. a few minor sports, UFC now, UFC is one of our official podcasts for Unwrap, but we also have a few contributors that do their own podcasts, we've been helping them out, they shout out the podcast, we have mad love for our Unwrapped family who puts in a lot of work for us. We're always here to push them, just like this newsletter. Beautifully done. Go sign up for that shit. If not, look at it online while we're posting the URL. Thank you guys for listening to us, and we're going to have some, I think, draft stuff coming up. Yep, college football might have the two-round mock draft, but in the spoken version with me and Mike, but we're going to do fun draft stuff coming up on the NFL too. College football, that's going to be really cool, and me and Adam are right around the corner coming back for, for fantasy. fantasy football, FFB Unwrapped. If you're not following us on Twitter, go follow that at FFB Unwrapped, the college one at CFB Unwrapped. We're going to have all new stuff coming up there because it has been some dead season yeah. for the two of them, but it's exciting to see us switching. Yeah, spring, spring ball starting up. We're going to get some depth charts coming in. It's actually kind of cool. College football is going to hand the baton of the rookies over to NFL, and then NFL will begin to talk about them as they transition from college right. football players to becoming pros at the end of this month. Right, and it's great because I know Christian covers both, so he gets both ends of the spectrum, which I think right. is super interesting. For me, I'm such a fantasy guy. Also, for me and Adam with our weekly stuff, so I think it's so exciting for me to see how each of these rookies are going to be impactful or not. Maybe there might be another Saquon, another Baker. We'll see how that works out. Super fun podcast with Christian and I. I'm sad Corbin couldn't be with us today, but me and him are going to knock out an NBA one sometime this week. I'm sure you'll see Brent putting out a UFC one. Tons of stuff coming from Unwrapped. Stick with us, and we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much.